Scott, you're not alone. Sometimes my technology doesn't work right. So, All right, let's see if that works. All right, good. All right. Good evening. If you remember last week, we, we began a six-week study on the plan of salvation and, in fact, uh, went through the concept of hearing the Word of God last week. And so we're going to pick up where we left off last week with regard to hearing uh, the Word of God. And then the second step that we normally call them is steps of salvation, uh, which I think is a little oversimplification for the whole process. But that's going to be believing. And so whenever you think about the idea and concept of believing, we're going to be looking into that. What does that mean? Believing in what? Uh, moving forward and that development of uh, our, I guess, walk toward that gift of salvation that God has given to us. And so that's what we plan to do this evening uh, as we move forward. Um, any prayer requests or announcements before we get going this, this evening? Surgery win? Yeah. Okay. Brother Tommy's going to have some surgery tomorrow. We need to keep him in our prayers and uh, pray that things are going to go in for the, to the carotid artery, correct? And uh, so we need to keep him in our prayers this evening. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. We will, Miss Joyce. Yeah, if y'all... And uh, we put that in our announcements. I know it's in the bulletin as well. I think for this week, they'll come out tomorrow. But Miss Joyce asked for prayers of the congregation on Sunday for her daughter and especially her granddaughter right now during the course of her unplanned pregnancy. And so we need to remember her, especially in our prayers as they go through this. Thank you. Sent an email out this week. A little five-year-old by the name of Jenny Lee uh, was at ACA and uh, she had... Uh, I can't remember what the condition's called, but it has to do with the intestines kind of folding on over themselves. Very common, evidently, in some children. Uh, but her vitals dropped so badly that she was rushed by air flight to UAB Children's. Uh, thankfully, they stabilized her, was able to have the surgery yesterday morning. All went well. She is recovering now. But as you all can imagine, that was a very scary situation there for a few hours, for sure. I was trying to find out. She wasn't in, she's not in Monica's class. She's in uh, one of the other classes. But of course, they all know each other and connect and um, I know we stayed up pretty late just trying to wait on some news that evening, but thankfully, and I appreciate y'all's prayers. I'm sure there were a lot that were offered up. Um, I'm going to try to get her parents' address out to y'all so y'all can send notes of encouragement to them as she continues to heal, but appreciate that. Any other comments, uh, prayer requests? All right, let's start off with, yes, Freddie. Huh? You're talking about the hatchets? Yes. Uh, Harold uh, and Emily uh, used to be members here. They're now members in Prattville. Their grandson was the one killed on the motorcycle incident on I-85 uh, on mon Monday, two days ago. Um, and so we do need to remember the hatchet family. Um, our Emma Slaughter is their aunt. I guess is the best way to describe that. So there's a connection still here to our congregation. All right, let's, let's start off with prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word. We're thankful for the sacrifices and the gifts that you've given to us. And God, we're thankful now as we are able to approach you um, tonight and, and to be able to express to you our thoughts and our concerns and, and our thanksgiving. God, we are so thankful for our life. We're thankful for the blessings that we have to be able to be a part of the church, especially here at Dalreda, that we meet together and encourage one another, especially times like this time in the middle of the week. 
God, we're thankful for that blessing that we have that some around the world don't get to enjoy. God, we are thankful for the ability we have to approach you when we have concerns on our hearts and our minds. And God, we're thankful that you heard the prayers on behalf of little Jenny and that, that the surgery went well and that all that she has gone through seems to be um, in a very positive note now as she recovers. God, we ask you to continue to be with her, watch over her and the nurses and doctors tending to her. Be with her mother and her father as they go through this time as her little body heals. And God, we just hope and pray that uh, her body is able to, to be back to normal so she can return to being a normal, happy little child and be able to go back to school and see her friends. God, we are mindful of those that we've mentioned tonight that we are concerned about and that we are saddened about. We ask you to be the Hatchet family as, as uh, they deal with the loss of their grandson. And we just ask you to be with them, be with Miss Emma Slaughter as they deal with that loss in their family. God, we ask you to be with um, Sister Joyce, as she is concerned about her family, we ask you to please be with her daughter, especially be with her granddaughter. She goes through this pregnancy, Lord. We ask you to encourage her as you might. Help us to be able to reach out to her. Let her know that we love her, and more importantly, that you love her and you love that little baby. And God, we ask that you please help keep her safe and healthy through the pregnancy. And God, we ask you to continue to help open up their eyes to you and to see all the wonderful hope and love that you bring to our lives. God, we are thankful for the doctors and the nurses we have in the hospitals that we turn to when we are in need of help. And God, we ask you to be with those doctors and nurses tomorrow as they tend to our brother Tommy. And you please help his surgery and his operation to go well tomorrow. And that procedure to deal with his carotid artery uh, go well, go quickly, and help him to be able to recover. Lord, we ask you to be with him and, and help his body to be able to fight and to be able to heal quickly so he'll be able to be back with us. Lord, we at this time, we're thankful for your gift of salvation. God, there's nothing that's greater than that. There's nothing that gives us better hope and gives us more life than, than your sacrifice of your son. God, thank you for that gift. May we grab a hold of it and never let go. It's through Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we progress and go from the idea and concept of hearing the word of God to believing the word of God, I'm going to start with a verse that we didn't use last week that normally you would always use when you're talking about hearing the Word of God. I avoided it on purpose because I wanted to start this week with it because it's a great transitional verse to think about how you progress from hearing words of God, hearing the truth, hearing lessons and practical points to apply to our lives and then be able to go into this idea of believing them. It's one thing to hear something. It's another thing entirely different to actually believe it. I think a lot of us kind of understand that kind of concept, don't we? We understand the, the, the principle that you we don't always believe what we hear. Do you ever hear that phrase? Don't believe everything you hear, son. I mean, I've heard that a lot of times in my life. You turn on and you watch the news today, you don't know what to believe. To be quite honest, when the news reporters used to be credible, they used to have credible sources and, and points, and, and they would have uh, information to give to you. There are a lot of times, I'll tell you, I turn on or or surf the internet, look on different various news sources, I don't know exactly what to believe from the things that I hear and read. Thankfully, we don't have that when it comes to the Word of God. Now, last week we talked about the idea of hearing the Word of God incorporates the idea of hearing and understanding and knowing where it comes from. So we hear the fact that it comes from God and His inspiration, that the Word of God is, is something that, that provides the foundational basis for us, spiritually speaking, so we can hear those words 
And as we hear them, hopefully we progress to this, what we call second step of our development of faith as we strive and step toward salvation is the idea of believing those words which we have heard. So look with me, if you don't mind, over in Romans chapter 10. And I want to read a section of scripture there that really kind of helps uh, point out exactly where we're going tonight and how this really influences and goes forward with regard to uh, the things that we have in our Christian life. Now, I don't know why it's not showing anymore. I told you, Scott, you're not the only one that has problems with regard to PowerPoint. So you don't, y'all don't feel bad. Uh, all the time I get frantic phone calls saying, hey, it's not working for me. And I say, hey, it's okay. Think about the steps. And again, I, I'm not a big fan of calling them steps of salvation because the reality becomes they really start blurring and, and overlapping to the point that there's not a defined ending and beginning necessarily from one step to another sometimes. Now, as we get to some later steps and, and later actions that you take with regard to grabbing a hold of that gift of salvation, it's going to be much more determinative, okay? There is a point when you go inside the water and you come out of the water, okay? That's very definitive. It's a little blurry sometimes, actually, as when you hear something and you start believing it. You start kind of meshing those things, right? You may hear the fact that God exists and believe that God exists and then go back and understand more about hearing who Jesus was and then believing that in our life. So those things start kind of overlapping. It's not just hearing everything and all of a sudden you take that next step. Oh, I believe it all in my life. Paul tries to tell the Romans in Romans chapter 10 uh, exactly kind of this concept as he starts there in verse 10 of Romans, uh, verse 10. It says, for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the, uh, the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Now again, I want to go back and think. Before you get to verse 14, when Paul starts asking these somewhat rhetorical questions here in this passage, he lays the foundation by looking at Old Testament scriptures. If you look in your Bibles, there's going to be a footnote there that the fact that he's quoting from Old Testament scriptures. He even says it very specifically in verse 11 that those who believe in him will not be disappointed. And then later in verse 13, it says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, very interesting. I have a side note marked in my Bible. Maybe you do as well. Of Acts chapter 22, verse 16, because there that's where Paul talks about calling on the name of the Lord. That's what he was told to do. Uh, the, the scripture here in verse 13, as Paul's talking to them here, he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Paul then says, okay, wait a second here. If calling on the name of the Lord is the ones that are, are going to be saved, if we call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, how do you get to that point? And in verse 14, he starts asking the questions that starts prodding our thought process as to how do we progress how do we reach out and grab that gift of salvation by calling upon the name of the Lord? Paul says this. He says, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? That's where we are tonight, by the way. Believed. How are you going to call on someone? How are you going to call on the name of the Lord if you haven't believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring Good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith, verse 17. 
Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Now, as you think about the concept of moving and progressing and moving towards salvation, and again, we are talking about the the idea of God's gift of salvation being given freely to all of us. By grace, you have been saved through faith in Christ Jesus, as Ephesians tells us. Again, Paul tells us it's a free gift. We can't earn that gift. It's given to us by God's grace. But how do we reach out and grab a hold of that gift? Well, Paul says here, you're not going to get that gift if you don't believe the Lord. And you're not going to believe on the Lord if you don't hear about the Lord. And so the logical progression here is, is that first and foremost, you've got to hear something before you can ever believe on it. And that's where we are tonight. When you think about our trek towards salvation, you think about how important it is to be saved and to attain that salvation. Again, attaining it not necessarily by things you're doing. Attain that gift of salvation by reaching out and obeying God as to what we have to do to accept it. How do we do that? Well, we've got to hear about it. And you've got to believe it. It doesn't just stop with the hearing. Brother Doug, that'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Everybody was just saved by hearing. I don't know if you ever think about that, but all of our mission trips, we'd be saving people right and left, right? Because you just go out there and hear it and just preach the word, and if they hear it, then they're saved, right? That's not what the Scriptures say. It doesn't say that at all. It says there are different things that we must do as we respond to that news that we hear that we then progress and go toward salvation. Now again... Tonight, we think about the concept of believing. Paul says specifically here, how are you going to believe if you have not heard? We are responsible for preaching and teaching. And Peter, Paul calls it the foolishness of preaching at some, you know, during his his lessons. And I guess sometimes we would think it might be foolish. But we do that. We preach the word of God so that that word of God is heard by individuals. And hopefully that hearing then leads to believing. Mark chapter 16 Before we move on to the next point, I want to think about what God says about the essentiality of belief in the progression and the acceptance of his gift of salvation in our lives. Mark chapter 16, verse 16, there at the end of the book, 15, of course, we call the Great Commission going to all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. By the way, that's the hearing aspect, right? You preach the word of God so individuals who hear the preaching can then listen and hear it. And it says there in verse 16, He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved, or some versions say they who who do not believe, shall be condemned. As we think about the concept of believing the gospel message that we have heard in His Word, we've got to understand that if we don't believe, we go no further. And in essence, as you think about the, 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 the picture I have on the screen that, that I, I put together with regard to the steps of salvation, you just think about it, that if someone doesn't get past that step of believing, they go no further with regard to anything else that God asks for us to do to reach out and grab a hold of salvation from Him. And that makes very clear why He says those who disbelieve or those who do not believe, those who believe not shall be condemned. Why? Because they're going no further. With regard to it, it does not dissuade against anything else, by the way, in this passage. 
In fact, the Mark 16 says, believe and are baptized. It talks about baptism being essential right here for salvation. Those who believe and are baptized shall be saved, it says. And so it is essential that we think that believing is necessary for us as we think about what we must do in order to be saved. The word believe that is used in the scriptures, and uh, I didn't put any, you're going to get a lot of, I didn't put any animation here to let the points come out. So you're just going to get to see my, my thoughts, I guess, ahead of time here, Bob. I forgot to put that in there tonight. But you think about the word believe in the scriptures. The word believe is commonly defined in our vernacular in the English language as the idea and concept of an acceptance that something is true, genuine, or that something exists. So it's kind of like a state of being. That, that The fact that whatever it is that you have heard, you have accepted it to be true and or that it exists and that it's uh, genuine. To me, it's kind of like the idea of, of a light bulb that, that suddenly kind of brightens up because in your mind you think of, oh, aha, it's like an aha moment, right? Because you've heard these things and all of a sudden you have embraced them and have accepted them and have acknowledged them to be true in your life, and so therefore that light bulb goes off in your head because you realize, oh, this is something that I've got to hold on to because it's true. It's a reality in life. That's the idea that we think of when we think of believe. Uh, you see this uh, kind of concept in the scriptures a couple of times. Acts chapter 9, verse 26 there. You see the early Christians after Paul was converted, and we heard a great conversion story that was discussed on Sunday morning talking about believing. And by the way, if you didn't Get, didn't get to hear Jeremy's lesson on the idea of, of don't stop believing. Listen to that. But this occurs right after that when Ananias taught Paul or Saul at the time what to do to become a Christian and conveyed to him what God had told him to convey to him with regard to it. Paul, uh, Saul became a Christian and he kind of went to the, the early disciples and, and wanted to be around them. But unfortunately, of course, in all of their fear, all of their terror, they were concerned that he actually was not, in fact, a Christian, that maybe he was trying to pull one over on them, right? I mean, he was, in fact, given papers to kill them, correct? And so you don't blame them necessarily for that. But in that passage of Scripture in verse 26, it says that the disciples did not believe that Saul was a disciple. They did not believe that act, that fact to be true. So we see that definition used in the scriptures there. Acts chapter 26, verse 27. Paul asks Agrippa as he's trying to present to him why he is who he is and what he has done and what his life story is. He, he really gives his testament to Agrippa. And as he's talking about Agrippa, he, he pointedly says, do you believe the prophets? Do you believe what I'm saying? So really he is challenging Agrippa to, to state whether or not he accepts the things which Paul has said to him as being true. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, uh, John there says, Do not believe every spirit. So in fact, he challenges early Christians there. Don't believe everyone who comes to you saying, Hey, uh, I, I'm speaking with the Spirit of God. But in fact, challenge them. Compare what they're saying with the truth which God has revealed to them. Don't just automatically accept what they're having to say as being truth, but compare it. Don't believe them. So obviously we see that the, the scriptures talk about the idea that belief is in fact an acceptance of something that's true, genuine, or that something exists. And that it's something that in fact you can hold dear 
as being something to rely upon in your life. So what's the difference between belief and faith? And again, I hate that I didn't put transitions in this because it's revealing everything to you on the screen, but that's okay. Mark 16, 16, we read the scripture already that talks about the fact that belief is required. It is essential for our salvation. It is essential that we believe in God. Believe and be baptized, you shall be saved, right? That's what it says. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. We've read this scripture before. We talked about it last week. But the, the concept of the necessity of faith is also presented throughout the scriptures as being required and necessary for us as we consider what is necessary for salvation. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, Therefore, by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no man can boast. We have been saved by grace through faith. You cannot avoid it. Both believing and having faith is required and necessary for salvation. Do you all see that in the scriptures? So what's the difference between these two words? You know, you open up your, 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 your word of, of God and you're going to see these two words mentioned in different places and usually in different situations and occasions. Well, is there a difference there? Can we believe in something but not have faith? Well, I want to think about this. What's the definition of faith? Because we need to decide, are they the same thing or not? Are they similar or not? Well, a couple things to consider. One, our normal definition of what faith is comes from two different reasons, two different ways. One, we have the scriptural definition, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And so you see that in the scriptures as a definition of what faith is, right? We've seen that, that definition. The standard definition, if you were to look it up in the, in the dictionary, you're going to see something that faith is a complete trust or the confidence in someone or something. Again, I want to go back and say that. Faith is the complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Very similar, isn't it, to the idea of believing. Believing is, the, of course, a little bit, a little broader, I believe. And that's why I put the little... A diagram up here on the screen for you to kind of think about. It's a, it's called a Venn diagram for you all who are, want to be technical. But it, it kind of helps show you what is included in one, but not, maybe not the other as you're comparing the two terms. And, and in this case, as you think about, can we believe but yet not have faith in a situation? And I'm going to tell you, the answer is yes. And I think most of us, when we start thinking about those two concepts, we're going to understand that as you go hand in hand with regard to believing and having faith, they do go hand in hand. They are part of one another. In fact, I would argue, as I put in the Venn diagram, faith is always comprised of believing. So if you have faith, you believe. You cannot have faith without believing. And how is that? Well, you're trusting. You're placing your trust, your confidence in, let's say, God, when you have faith in God. You're placing your trust and your confidence in God. How are you going to do that if you don't believe in God? You're not. You're not going to have that blind trust. That makes no sense to any of us. But is it possible for us to have belief and believe in something but not have faith? I would say, yes, there is. And a good example of this, I would say, would be an illustration that I read, and I like this, and, and so I'm going to use this as a great example for how you can, have, you can believe but yet not have faith. We would all say you can jump out of an airplane with a parachute, pull the ripcord, and the parachute would open, allowing you to safely land on the ground. We would all believe you can do that. We've seen it happen, right? We would all believe that an individual can get in a plane, jump out with a parachute, pull the ripcord, and parachute will open, allowing you to safely land on the ground. You can, you can ask just about anyone. They will accept that statement as being true. However, 
It's a completely other thing to take the steps of putting the parachute on, jumping out of the plane, pulling the ripcord, and safely landing on the ground. This does not necessarily require just belief or believing. It requires faith for you to grab that parachute and take those actions yourself. We can believe it to be true all day long, but actually relying upon it and placing our confidence in it is something entirely different. But again, don't get me wrong. Faith always is part of believing. But believing is not always... Believing is always a part of faith. Faith is not always a part of believing. In the New Testament, however, as you look at it, I think it's very interesting because you get into what English versus the Greek words. And I am in no way a Greek scholar. I took a couple of semesters of Greek, and so I have that in my history. But I am in no way someone who's going to say that I am someone who knows the Greek words and language uh, myself. However, I do know enough to know this. The two words, primarily used in all of the scriptures, whenever you look at the word believe, or when you look at the word faith, come from the same word, pistis. And so whenever you think of the idea of you shall believe, such as Mark 16, 16 talks about believe and be baptized, the pistuo there, the verb form of it is the idea that it comes from the same root word that the word faith used over in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 uses. So what am I saying here tonight? Well, what I would encourage us all to say and to understand is this. One, the scriptures have plainly told us that in order for us to, to become a Christian, in order for us to grab a hold of that gift of salvation, believing and faith are both required and necessary. And as you look throughout the scriptures, you're going to see that because almost every time the word believing is used there, it is indicative of a faithful person, someone who has faith in their life. And so those two words may be used interchangeably at times. And so what I would encourage you to always look at the context, both immediately and overall context in the scriptures itself, to determine whether or not that scripture and that verse and that use of that word is going to mean the same thing in those scriptures. For salvation, as I said, both are needed. And so as you think about the concept of faith and believing, our, our spiritual lives are affected by both in the exact same way, form, and fashion. Both come from hearing the Word of God. As Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Pistis, the same thing, believing, comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. And so as you think about that concept, as we move forward, I want to be able to understand it and try to encourage you to think that believing in something causes action. And I lay that, that foundational principle because as we think about the steps of salvation, the idea and concept of believing is not there on an island by itself. But in fact, once we hear the Word of God and we hear those points and we hear those principles, we hear the truth of God's message preached to us, we believe those things, but we just don't stand there because we believe it. If we are truly believing it, we're going to allow it to affect our lives. We're going to take the necessary steps and continue progressing toward what God wants us to do in our lives. And that would be to come to Him, to accept His gift of salvation. And so that in itself forces us to consider us having faith that is taking action upon the belief in our life. So believing, when we think about believing God, when we think about those things which we have heard from the Word of God, and we think about how those things would affect us and, and, and how essential and important they are for us, 
uh, with regard to understanding the gospel message of Christ, we've got to understand what are we believing in? I mean, what is important? Now, we talked about all the things that God's scripture talks about. I didn't say all of it. I mean, we, 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 I condensed it into one lesson. Y'all go back and listen to it if you want to. I didn't teach everything in the God's word. It's impossible in one 45-minute lesson. All right, I wish I was that good, Bob. I'm not. But I tried to summarize for you all last week some of the many things and probably the most important things that God's gospel message includes as you hear it from his word. What are the things, though, that we think about this week that is important for us to believe in? I mean, why is it important to believe in certain points and certain matters in our lives? Why, what is it important for us to believe in as we kind of think about Accepting the gift of salvation. Well, first I would say, believing in God. Same verse I used last week for this point is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. This is God's gift to us. Now, if we talked about last week, I talked about it probably more than I probably needed to, but the, the fact that the Scriptures reveal who God is to us. In order for us to move forward take any further steps toward that gift of salvation that God offers to us, we've got to believe in God. Believing in God is not always a simple thing for us. Uh, believing in God takes us to, to really consider the evidence sometimes. And there's so many wonderful lessons out there, the Christian evidences, those courses that we see around us for believing who God is and in God and, and what God does for us. But God's scriptures have revealed those things to us. And we see just how important it is to remember and to, to believe in those things which have been presented to us through God's Word. Look at John chapter 17 real quickly. And this is the verse that I'm going to use for this, and we'll, we'll move on. But John chapter 17 is, is really this last prayer that we have of Jesus as He offers a prayer there uh, in John 17 toward the end of His life. And He's thinking about His ministry. He's thinking about His disciples. He's thinking about how it all kind of comes together there for us. And in, in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 21, Jesus prays to God and says this, I do not ask on my behalf as these alone, meaning I'm not just asking for these disciples here, these apostles that are with me, uh, but for all those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Part of the wonderful, blessed gospel that we are to preach and to teach, that same gospel that we are to grab a hold of and to learn to believe and to accept and, and have it grounding our faith is the basic fact and principle that God loves us, but that God loves us so much that He sent His Son. His Son is the sacrifice on this earth for us. He sent His Son to die for us, and He wants us to believe that. He wants us to believe in Him. Now, if you think about that logically, there's no other way for us to grow closer to God if we don't believe in God. I mean, we can, we can pass it along all we want to and, and we can try to, to, to think about that concept of that fact. But if we truly do not believe that there is a living God, then we should go no further. It is prominent. It's primary for us to think and to believe that God is who God is, that He loved us, that He created this world, that He gave His only Son, as John 3.16 talks about, 
for the remission of our sins. In verse 17, John 3, 17, we don't usually go to that next verse, do we? But he sent his son out of this world to condemn the, the world, but that through the world, but through his son, the world might be saved. God loved us so much that he wanted to send his son for us so that we can be reconciled back together with him. He wanted to take things back as they were there in the Garden of Eden where he used to walk and talk with Adam and Eve. And he wants us to believe in him. If we don't believe in him, we don't believe in what he has done, his purpose. We don't believe in, in his ultimate goals. We don't believe uh, that he loves us. We don't believe in the ultimate concept of his salvation. What's the point in going toward the gift of salvation if you don't believe in the one who's given it to you? It is necessary, it is absolutely essential for us to understand in the overall scheme and the, the plan of salvation and the wonderful gospel message that God is God and we believe in Him. Secondly, secondly, we believe in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. He's the one who gave us that sacrifice in the place of our sins that we had to gain eternal life. And by believing in Jesus, it allows us to believe in the sacrifice that gives us that hope for eternal life. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, then what's the point in believing in anything, spiritually speaking? Yes, you can be a good person. You might be able to make good choices. But where is that going to take you in life? I want to ask my, my spiritual-minded people out there and, and those friends of mine sometimes who, who are spiritually-minded, but yet they don't act spiritually-minded, what do you really believe in? You're not believing in God, nor are you believing in Jesus, because if you did, you wouldn't do what you're doing. God wants us to believe in Jesus Christ, to believe in those things which He has done for us and the reasons why He was sent for us. And by believing in Jesus Christ, we ultimately understand who atones us for our salvation and gives us that chance for eternal life. John chapter 20, verse 31 is really the, kind of the, the cornerstone, I believe, verse in John where it deals with why was the book of John written? Why did John write this gospel? And he says in verse 31, he says, These things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. God wants us to believe in Jesus and believe in that sacrifice that he is for us and that by believing we will have life in his name because we know that when we believe, we will do those things which God wants us to do in our lives. You know, there were doubters in the past. You think of Nathaniel in John chapter 1 verse 7, Nathaniel doubted the fact of who Jesus was and, and doubted whether or not anything good uh, could come from Nazareth, right? If you ever remember that passage in John chapter 1, verse 7, he, he came as a witness to testify. I wrote the wrong verse down. So that all may believe through him. John, uh, it's a different one. But anyways, Nathaniel doubted. Second person I thought of, or the second one, the verse that, that really popped out at me was uh, Thomas. John chapter 20, verses 25 through 27. If you look at that, and I love the idea of, of Thomas and that really happens right before that, that verse we just read. But you remember in the upper room, after Jesus rose from the grave, his, his disciples, his apostles met together and they were praying together. They were just being together with one another. And of course, there comes news that, that Jesus had risen from the dead. And, 
And Thomas, in John chapter 20 there, and verse 25, the other disciples were saying to him, hey, we have seen the Lord. See, Thomas wasn't there when the Lord appeared, right, the first time. And so they said, we, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Thomas said, unless I see his hands, the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Wow. Sometimes you fault Thomas. I don't really necessarily fault Thomas there because I think Thomas was really wanting to see the truth of the matter there. Uh, but you see really there in verse 26 and 27 what happens is after eight days his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them this time. Jesus came to the doors having been shut, stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. And he looked at Thomas. <laughs> you can just imagine Thomas's face probably. He looks right at Thomas. And he says to him, Reach here with your finger and see my hands. And reach here with your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. God wants us to believe in Jesus. We don't need to be doubting like Thomas. We don't need to be wondering and inquisitive like Nathaniel if anything could be good. Because believing in Jesus is absolutely necessary and essential in our lives. It's essential for salvation. If you think about it in Matthew chapter 9, verse 28, um, he looks at the blind men and he, he says to them, hey, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Challenging them, making them state a claim. They believe that Jesus had the power to do those things. Mark chapter 9, verse 24, if you remember that, that, that man came out and, and Jesus said, I can do it if you believe. And this man said something that probably many of us think about ourselves sometimes. And we may say it under our breath at points in our lives. Mark chapter 9, verse 24, he says, I believe Help my unbelief. Because there are some times in our lives where we falter and we fail, we forget that believing in Jesus is absolutely essential and necessary for our salvation. John chapter 8, verse 24. There's a verse that we commonly use when we talk about the plan of salvation. We talk about what is needed to become a Christian. And in John chapter 8, verse 24, it says, Therefore I said to you, this is Jesus, by the way, that you, he says to you, that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus himself says, if you do not believe in me, then you will die. It's always been a disaster without believing. Look in Matthew chapter 27, verse 24, a parallel passage in Mark chapter 15, verse 32. Look in Mark chapter 16, verses 11 through 13. Luke chapter 22, verse 67, that whenever you have unbelief, when you have someone who does not believe in Jesus Christ, it is disastrous in their lives. They have no hope. They're like the thief on the cross who instead of believing, mocked Jesus. We've got to believe in God and believe in Jesus who came to this earth as a man. John chapter 1 verse 14 who came and suffered and bled and died for us and for our sins, not for his own, for he was perfect in every form and fashion. And that he died, that he was buried, and he was resurrected and raised again for us and our living hope. God wants us to believe in Jesus. God also wants to believe in the concept and the essence of salvation. Every good and perfect gift is from above, as I Showed last week as well, similar passage as we used last week, James chapter 1, verse 17. The gifts that we have are from above. They are wonderful, and they are comprised of the fact that salvation is needed 
And salvation comes from believing who God is in our lives. John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. We, we know John 3, 16, say it by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting or eternal life, depending on transition you, translation you read. The believing in God is believing in salvation. Because when we believe in God, we believe in Jesus, and we believe the fact that he has set up this plan and this course of giving us and providing us this gift, we believe truly those things which are written for our edification and our knowledge in the scriptures. Believing in, in salvation is an important concept for Christians to understand as we live our lives, as we initiate our Christian lives, as we just start out learning exactly who we are to be as a Christian in this world. Now, if you look in the scriptures, there's, a, there's several different things that we can look at, and we don't have the time to get into them all. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 was a scripture that I wanted to look at and read, and we've got a second, and we'll read that before the second bell rings. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. Let's, we'll start in verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart I may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. A surpassing greatness that can only be achieved because of his power toward us who believe. Think about what it really means to believe in life, and I'm going to leave you with this last thought. Belief in action is required. And as we think about moving forward and going further in this study, thinking about what God requires for us in our lives in order to become a Christian, to grab a hold of that gift of salvation, it's not just merely believing in God. You know how I know? Because the scriptures tell me believing is not enough. If you want to look at James chapter 1, James chapter 2, verse 19. It says there that even the demons or the devils believe and they shudder. Believing is not enough to attain salvation. You see, our walk doesn't end here. This isn't where the end of the road goes with regard to accepting and grabbing a hold of what God has given to us as salvation, that wonderful gift of salvation. He requires more with regard to our pathway to grabbing a hold of that which is wonderful. Faith by itself, in James chapter 2, verse 17, if it's not accompanied by action, it's dead. It's dead. And so as we think about what is required, what's needed, think about this. Belief in action is required. And let's think about those things as we continue this study, as we go through these things which God talks about as he gives us that gift of salvation. Thanks for y'all's kind attention tonight.